Come on, let's give the Lord the praise that he so richly and rightfully deserved. For this is the day that the Lord has made. Let's rejoice and be glad in it. I am certainly delighted and elated for all of those who are joining us online as well as in person. And I don't take this for granted. So if you're watching us on Facebook, Vimeo, YouTube, or engaging in one of our live chat rooms on our church website, welcome to what we call St. Paul Online. Our digital ministers and social media influencers are ready to engage you this morning. So I want you to do us this favor. If you're watching us on Facebook, share on your personal timeline. You could also tag those that you want to invite to this post. If you're on YouTube, subscribe to our YouTube channel. We want to get over 1,500 real soon. Text the link of this worship service to your personal network. And if you're in the chat room on our church website, click on the invite button in your chat window and share this experience with others. We also would love for you to, in your um, chat window, just put in where you're checking us out as far as your location is concerned. We're certainly delighted and elated that technology is allowing for us to have a much wider span than we would have prior to. I'm going to ask that Minister Erica Minor would come. She's going to lead us in our worship experience. Those of you who are able, if you wouldn't mind standing on your feet, giving God the glory that our God so richly and rightfully deserves. Good morning, good morning, good morning, church. Oh, come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us shout joyfully to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before his presence with thanksgiving. Let us shout joyfully to him with psalms. For the Lord is the great God. If you believe this morning that God is the great God, if you believe that he's been great to you in your life, when you look back over, you know he was the great God that delivered you, that protected you, that loved you, you ought to stand to your feet and clap and rejoice and praise him this morning. Stand to your feet and sing along with the choir as they lead us in O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. Oh! 
Hallelujah, hallelujah. Rejoice, rejoice. Mm, it is good to hear those songs entering us into this Christmas season. At this time, you may have your seats, and I want you to turn your attention over to my right, your left, and the Hughes family is going to lead us this morning in our Advent moment and Advent message. Good morning, church. We are the Hughes family. My name is Sean. This is my wife, Karen, son, Justin, and daughter, Charisma. The focus of the entire season of Advent is a celebration of the birth of Jesus, the Christ, in his first Advent, and the anticipation of the return of Christ, the King, in his second Advent. Advent is marked by a spirit of expectation, of anticipation, and preparation. The evergreen reminds us of the hope that we have in God, the hope of newness of renewal, the candles of symbolism, the light of God coming into the world through the birth of his son. The four candles symbolize the four centuries of waiting between the prophet Malachi and the birth of Christ. If there ever was a year we, that we need Advent, this is the year. We can hardly describe the year we lived through. We hesitate to reflect on all the chaos around us in 2021. All we know is that nothing seems quite right. Nothing seems like it used to be. We need Advent. We light this first candle as a sign of our hope. Hope that you can meet us even in the chaos of our world. Hope that you can still see us. Though we feel like we are lost in the world that makes us invisible, let this light be the God that brings us to Emmanuel once more. Today our scripture reading is Jeremiah 33, 14 and 16, and it becomes out a New King James Version. Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, that I will perform the good thing which I have promised to the house of Israel and the house of Judea. In those days and at the time, I will cause to grow up to David, a branch of righteousness. He shall execute judgment and righteousness in the earth. In those days, Judea will be saved and Jerusalem would dwell safely. And this is the name by which she will be called, the Lord of our righteousness. Let us pray. Lord God, we thank you. Thank you for being our God. Thank you for being our hope. Lord, we welcome you into this service, Father God. We thank you right now for this last Sunday in November. We pray, Lord God, that you would have your way that our worship will be a sweet smell unto your nostrils. We give you all praise, honor, and glory, Lord. We thank you once again. Have your way, Holy Spirit. It is in the mighty name of Jesus we pray. Amen.
about Jesus and his love. But I never felt that matter from up above.
try that one more time. If you know you've been born again, that's a place to give God praise. That's the best gift that God can give you as far as your life is concerned. I'm trying to help somebody this morning. If you know you've been freed from sin, that's a place to give God praise. If you know that heaven is your home, that's a place to give God praise. If you know you don't have to be afraid of hell, that's a place to give God praise. If you know that God has given you life 
and has given you life more abundantly. That is a place to give God praise. Thank you, brothers. Thank you, brothers. Amen. 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 I will sing, sing hollering under my mask. Sing, Woody. Amen. Amen. Good morning, disciples of St. Paul. And good morning to all of those who are visiting with us in-house as well as online. We are certainly delighted and elated that the Lord has allowed for us to assemble in this space one more time. Amen. How many of you all had a blessed Thanksgiving? Amen. 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 How many of you all need to exercise from all you ate from Thanksgiving? Amen. <laughs> Amen. I'm still full. Uh, from the Thanksgiving celebration I had over the holidays. Listen, if you are a first-time guest here, uh, I just want you to put your hand in the air. I want to acknowledge you, any first-time guests, any first-time guests, or if you are a return guest, you're not part, I see you in the back, God bless you. If you are a return guest, if you would, just put your hand in the air as well. Can we celebrate our guests that are in the house? Thank you all so much. Normally, we would get up and try to shake your hand and give you a hug, but we in COVID. Amen. So we just going to wave at you. Amen. And say thank you for taking time out to be in our worship experience. Can you all do me a favor and celebrate the Hughes family that led us in our Advent devotional today? Thank you all so much for taking time out of your busy schedule to bless us with uh, your gift of meditation. We're greatly appreciative. I want to uh, give some major shout outs as we move forward as far as our worship experience is concerned. Um, we have what we dub Operation Thanksgiving over the last few weeks. Uh, as a church family, we provided food for uh, different uh uh, communities. First of all, and I want to thank Reverend Bernie for the leadership he provided. Um, we provided um, groceries for 152 families in the Belmont neighborhood. Amen. Amen for Thanksgiving. And uh, Women of Worth and the Men of Valor uh, pulled together those items and sorted them out so that we can uh, make sure that packing went easy. And we also had students from Johnson C. Smith University that helped us with that. So can we celebrate and give God praise for them? And then also we were able to provide some uh, meals for our, uh, for disciples of St. Paul who were in need or who could not get out or who did not have family gatherings like they wanted to. And so I want to thank our women of worth and our men of valor for helping to coordinate those efforts as well. So we give God praise for that. Uh, today we will not be having uh, Sunday morning live this afternoon. That will resume uh, next week. And Bible study returns on this uh, Thursday, and so we look forward to you all joining us at noon and at seven on this Friday. This Friday, the marriage ministry at St. Paul invites you to a night uh, with Pierre and uh, me, uh, calling it a marriage tune-up, strengthening our marriages. As we uh, just when you think you're moving out the pandemic, something else pops up. So I'm just going to say moving through the pandemic. Uh, you can join us on Facebook, YouTube, Vimeo, our church website, or phone line for interactive conversation with Pierre and me this Friday, December the 3rd. Um, and all that want to join can, and that's going to be at 7 o'clock, 7 o'clock this Friday. Also, we want to mention that uh, on December 15th, December 15th, December 15th, uh, here at St. Paul, we're going to be a COVID vaccination site 
for all three vaccines, Moderna, Pfizer, and Johnson & Johnson. Uh, the time is going to be from 10 a.m. to 5 p.m., and this is open for anyone that want to get a first dose, second dose, or your booster shot. Now, uh, for those that are unaware, there's a new variant out. It's called Omicron. We have gone from Delta to Omicron. All right. They skip um, all the other Greek letters between Delta and Omicron. So we're at Omicron right now. No Lambda, no mute Omicron, not even new Omicron. So here's what I'm trying to impress upon us. And if you don't get anything else, get this. We are not done with this pandemic. Uh, the vaccinations really help to deter the spread of COVID as far as any variant is concerned. And so uh, here at St. Paul, again, I mentioned, and I mentioned this with all my heart, you do not have to die from COVID. Um, and, and we're going to be here for a while. So I want to encourage you, get the vaccine. As long as we have services and as long as we're in this aspect, we're going to continue to try to meet um, we're going to continue to ask that you wear your mask, uh, and we're going to practice social distancing. Uh, the more people that become vaccinated, the easier it becomes for us to do in-person gatherings because the mitigation of spread has been contained. So we need you to help us. Um, I, it, I, I, I hear people saying, I can't wait till we go back to normal. Normal is gone. The, the only folks that are able to do all that other stuff is like sporting events, like, you know, folks don't come to church, but they go see the Panthers and the Hornets and to the club. Oh, I see your Instagram. I see you on Facebook. Don't see you at church. Here's what I want to impress upon you. We are doing in-person gathering, but we're doing it safely. The reason that a lot of those other places are able to do that is because they require that you be vaccinated. Um, we, we're not required. We, we want to encourage you to become vaccinated. Um, Pierre and I, we were, one of our favorites is to watch uh, Steve Colbert late at night before we go to sleep. And they are packed up in there on every seat, every row. But they got their mask on. And you can't get inside the Ed Sullivan Theater unless you've been vaccinated. Got to show your card and stuff. We have not gone to those measures, but we want to do everything that we can to mitigate the spread. So please, ma'am, please, sir, help us with that. The other thing I want to impress upon you, and I think, uh, I don't know if we're, we, we got it online yet or not, Karen, so you have to correct me. Uh, toy drive donations. Um, we're taking that up today for our annual tour drive for families in need. We're planning a giveaway to take place on Saturday, December the 18th. So if you want to give something toward the tour drive, um, just put your donation on the tour drive. And of course, uh, our team will uh, go out and get purchases to help families have a wonderful Christmas uh, this year. I want to, again, thank St. Paul. Uh, for how we have been a blessing to other uh, families. Now, could you bring me that? I've been looking for this for the longest. I know y'all been wondering. 
Y'all remember the week before things, uh, before we had our food giveaway, that somebody, <laughs> somebody put in the mix red cold Mountain Dew. They only gave one bottle. I was looking for the other nine. And there was no other nine to be found. But I have heard through the grapevine that there is a young man that is happy that his Mountain Dew cold red did not get given away. His name is Isaac. And so Isaac, if you're here, I got your Mountain Dew cold red. Come get your Mountain Dew. <laughs> Come on up here, man. Come around here. We give this to you in the name of the St. Paul. Look, he just took it. Look at him. No thank you, no nothing. Just right, give me my Mountain Dew. Lord have mercy. Amen. <laughs> I've been waiting for that. Jeff, at least we didn't call for a sacrifice of Isaac for your Mountain Dew. Amen. 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 Uh, to move from the, from the ridiculous to the sublime, um, I, I want to, uh, at this time, uh, call our attention for some prayer concerns. For those of us that don't know, uh, Sister Sadie Simpson has made her transition from labor to refreshment. Her services are going to be held this Saturday, uh, December the 4th, here at St. Paul. The viewing is going to be at 11, and the services will be at noon. We want to lift up her husband, Brother Bobby Simpson, uh, in prayer as well as the rest of that family. We also want to lift up the family of uh, Disciple Eleanor Lee, whose services were uh, last week, Monday the 22nd, uh, and her husband, Brother John Lee, the family of Sister Lassie Pitt, who is the uh, mother of Disciple Sylvester Pitt. Uh, those services were this past Monday in Somerville, New Jersey, uh, we want to keep them lifted up in prayer. We want to lift up the family of Nanny M. Hall, the mother of Sister Ida Dunson, who has also transitioned, and the family of Brother Lloyd Allen, who is the brother-in-law of Sister Patricia Campbell. Uh, we want to also lift up uh, persons who, are, who have had hospitalization, who have uh, had surgery or are dealing with uh, illness. Uh, Joanne Potts-Smith, Louise Brewer, Deacon Michael Underwood, uh, Howard Moore Jr., uh, Arthur Rux, uh, our pastor emeritus, Dr. Paul Drummond and his wife, uh, Lady Thomasina Drummond, Sister Artie Clybarn, Sister Alice Ezell Livingston. There are other names that will be scrolling up and down the list. We also want to lift up Dr. Sherelle Fuller uh, as she is dealing with the transition of her aunt Lois Hairston. Uh, we want to flank that family in our prayers as well. We know that God can do anything but fail. And so I'm going to ask that uh, Minister Erica Minor, uh, who blessed us with a wonderful word on last week. Amen. Amen. I'm going to ask that she would come and take us to the throne of grace. Let us go to God in prayer. Lord, we come humbly to you today, grateful that you are always with us. 
Lord, we thank you for holding our hand and being with us through the good times and through the tough times. Lord, we are so appreciative of the wonderful things that we have to celebrate in this life. Lord, we thank you for this Thanksgiving season and we thank you as we are entering into the Christmas season for the birth of your son, Jesus. But Lord, even in the midst of all the celebrations and the festivities and family gatherings, Lord, we have brothers and sisters in Christ who are dealing with grief. We have brothers and sisters in Christ that are dealing with hurt and pain and sickness and some that are dealing with the mourning of loss of loved ones. Lord, we ask that for those of us that have not been touched by loss or grief, that you open our hearts, that we can be more compassionate for those who are going through. Lord, I ask that you open our hearts, that we are more sensitive to the needs of those who in this moment find it difficult to find something to celebrate, Lord. Lord, help us to be there for them as you would have us to be. Lord, help us to be aware and to be the love that they need in this moment, Lord. Let us be good neighbors. Let us be good friends. Let us be good brothers and sisters and hold their hand through this and comfort them also. Lord, we, we know that you are in the hospital rooms. We know that you are in the houses of those who sit around this morning knowing that someone is taking their last breath. Lord, we ask that you be with them and wrap your loving arms around them and let them know that you are here from them in every single moment of life, Lord. Lord, bless our church family that we can be there for them in an extra special way. Let them know that they can come to us, Lord, because we all serve you. We are all your children and all of us will have to go through grief and loss one day, Lord. Lord, thank you for using us, allowing us to be able to be there for one another. Lord, give us the strength, give us the words, give us the ability to be there when you need us to be there. Lord, take away any feelings of timidness that we may have. Take away any feelings of insecurity that we may have and let us be bold for you so that we can serve others so that we can love one another so that we can be there to give to one another when they need from us lord we thank you for how you have poured into us and blessed us let us be a blessing to others Lord, we thank you for holding our hand. We thank you for your unconditional, unfailing love. We thank you for your grace and your mercy. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. If you believe that God is answering your prayer, can you give God praise right now? I see you on our Zoom congregation. We want to celebrate and thank God for all that God is doing. It is giving time. It is giving time. It is giving time. It is giving time. And one thing that I want to uh, continue to help us to appreciate is how God blesses us and how God gives us things that we don't deserve and how God allows for us, even though he could ask for it all, he doesn't want it all. He wants us to give a portion. I want us to learn how to give from a position of gratitude, a posture of gratefulness. If the Lord hasn't done anything for you, then you don't have any reason to be grateful. But if you know of at least one thing that God has done for you, you are to show gratitude. And we give not only out of obligation and duty and love, but out of gratitude, gratitude. And so as we prepare to give uh, our offering today, 
Uh, for those that are giving tithes and offerings, we greatly appreciate that. For those who have not yet moved to the discipline of giving tithes and offerings, but giving something, we thank you for that. And for those who feel like you don't have to give anything, my prayer is that the Lord will move upon your heart to help you to understand that you do have something to give. You may not think you don't, but, but you do have something to give. You can give here in three uh, major ways. The first one is by... Uh, mailing your check or money order to the church at 1401 Allen Street, Charlotte, 28205. Or you can drop off your cash check or money order here at the church. But if you decide to bring it, call the church office first at 704-334-5309 to make sure someone is here to receive your offering. We will place it in a safe uh, until the, the following Sunday's uh, worship experience. Another way you can give is uh, through our church website, through Church Life or ACS. And then the final way you can give is through the app called Givelify. You can download that app to your smart device, connect it to your favorite credit card, and in three clicks you can give. If you have an offering in-house, a physical offering, um, you can, after we have prayer, place that offering in the basket on the row in front of you. You don't have to touch the basket. Just drop it in the basket closest to you, and our team will come and collect it. So uh, however you're giving today, if you have uh, a, a device, if you will lift that, if you have a physical offering, if you will hold that up. If you have already given, just hold up your right hand. Place it in your right hand. We want to give God what's right, not what's left. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. God, we come to you right now, and we thank you for the wonderful opportunity to partner with you in the act of worship through giving. God, if you would, take these gifts of ours, and as we give, not grudgingly and nor out of necessity, but cheerfully. Why? Because you love the cheerful giver. God, thank you for those who practice the discipline of giving tithes and offerings. God, I appreciate those that give something. And Lord, I pray for those who feel like they don't have to give anything. We want to move toward being a 100% tithe and offering church. So, Lord, help us to move toward that. Take these gifts of ours and use them in a Godful way so that your name will go forth. It is in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. For those that have fiscal offering, if you would, just drop the offering in the basket closest to you. And um, our accountant will receive them. Amen.
Amen. Elson is a man of many gifts. I was trying to figure out who that new voice was. Amen. He played the organ. He keep our buildings on point. And he even sing. Man, you a man of many gifts. I'm scared of you. Come on, let's celebrate and give God praise for our male chorus. And Elson doing his doggone thing. That's all right. That's all right. Amen. Uh, I want to call your attention uh, as we continue to work through uh, the letter of James, James chapter 4. I want to look at uh, verse uh, 13 through 17. James chapter 4, verse 13 through 17. And... Um, uh, and, 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 and interestingly, uh, when we read this, we'll find some things that sound somewhat familiar, um, but oftentimes it's misunderstood and misapplied uh, as far as life is concerned. These words are printed in the New King James Version of the text. Come now, you who say, today or tomorrow we will go to such and such a city, Spend a year there, buy and sell, and make a profit. Whereas you do not know what will happen tomorrow. For what is your life? It is even a vapor that appears for a little time, then vanishes away. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we shall live and do this or that. But now you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. Therefore, to him who knows to do good and does not do it, to him is sin. Amen. I, I want to preach for the time that is mine, overcoming presumption. Overcoming presumption. Um, and I know presumption for some of us may be a big word, but it basically means stop making assumptions. Uh, and stop thinking that because you say something is true. Um, October 29th, 1929, here in the United States, uh, there was a significant economic disruption called Black Tuesday, where 16 million shares on Wall Street were traded in one day. This major sell-off caused billions of dollars to be lost. Billions of dollars back in 1929 is equivalent to trillions of dollars today. When Black Tuesday took place, numerous suicides happened where people literally jumped out of windows on Wall Street because for them, their hope, their well-being, and their future was tied to financial security and economic stability. This major financial upheaval was the significant catalyst for one of the darkest and bleakest economic periods in world history known as the Great Depression. The world in general and the United States in particular suffered such a financial collapse 
until every segment of society was negatively impacted. So, you know, the key phrase is that when white people catch a cold, black folks catch pneumonia. Uh, this is particularly true when it came to the Great Depression. No economic class was unscathed. And unfortunately, the only way that the world emerged from the Great Depression was through the onset of World War II that started in 1939. I can only imagine why so many people lost their hope, lost their faith, lost their courage, and lost their minds when Black Tuesday took place. There were those who had retirements and pensions intricately connected to the stock market. Their future aspirations were tied to presumed wealth that the stock market generated. And to see it disappear into thin air with no resolution to witness bank failures and deposits gone. The words of James Weldon Johnson in the National Black Anthem rings loud and clear with that phrase, when hope unborn had died. Like so many of us today, they believe by investing and managing your money on the stock market, making the right moves financially, how your economic well-being can become secure. They look forward to riding into the sunset of retirement with a golden egg as well as leaving something for their children. They were rather presumptuous about the dependability of the stock market to secure an economic future. May I dare say that many of us uh, here in 2021 do the same thing. We have set aside money in our IRAs, our 401ks, our 403bs, hoping to have a significant nest egg when we give our job the deuces. Gone, though, are the days of guaranteed pension plans. It's a crapshoot, a risky venture for many of us who do this now. Then there are those who are hoping that something will be in Social Security where we have a little cushion for all the work we have done in the workplace. However, the self-employed, the entrepreneur has it more rough because there is for them no guarantee. And for those who want to play the lottery and you hit, God be praised. Bring your tithe. I'm just saying. But statistics, Joe, shows us that those who hit the lottery in five to seven years are broke. They have been presumptuous because they thought their money would last. But unfortunately, they did not make the right moves financially. May I dare say that years before the infamous Black Tuesday debacle that led to the Great Depression, as well as all the other economic disruptions since, James, the brother of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, writes about the time of his day when disciples put their trust in financial security 
and entrepreneurial pursuits to the exclusion of being dependent on God. In this text, in this text, in this text, James is addressing business people who traveled throughout Asia Minor, selling and trading their merchandise without knowing where God fits into their plans. They bragged about how they're going to go to a city, stay there for a year or so, engage in their trade, make some money while being totally clueless about what tomorrow, next week, next month, or even next year will bring. Their main objective was to make as much money as they can in as little time as they can with as little bit of effort as they can. Work smarter. Not harder. Let your money make money. They were under the presumption that if they put in the hard work, that it would result in major profits. They were putting their trust and developing their future on economic security and financial pursuits. Their presumption of financial security was based upon self-sufficiency. Isn't it not easy, church, to get caught up in the trap of self-sufficiency? Like the late Biggie used to say, more money, more problems. Most people with money don't give God a second, third, or 14th thought. And when you have money, It is so easy to become presumptuous. It's so easy to be presumptuous when things are going well, when the funds are flowing, when everything you touch turns to gold, when you are successful in your business ventures, when you're making life-changing deals, when you're flexing with material possessions dripping in gold and even platinum. It's real easy to think you got it going on. But may I suggest that being presumptuous is the idea that something is true where your behavior is rooted in arrogance, disrespect, and self-aggrandizement that goes against the limits of what is permitted and even appropriate. Huh? Here it is. When you are presumptuous, you really think you're the one that's responsible for every good thing that is taking place in your life. That that when you are presumptuous, you think that you are the center of the universe. When, When you are presumptuous, you really think that the world revolves around you. When you are presumptuous, you think that folks got to bow down at your feet and do everything you want to have done. But may I suggest that the sin of being presumptuous will come back and bite you one day because that which goes up must come down. You got to be careful how you handle people. So so how how can we overcome being presumptuous. I want to suggest a few things that I was able to extract from this text that I hope and pray will bless us on this journey called life. And the first one is, put your trust in your maker and not your money. (laughs) 
I, I figured, I figured, uh, Minister Erica, I wouldn't get too many claps on that for one or two reasons. The first one is, uh, many of us ain't got much money. The, the, the second one is that for those of us that got much money, our money is our God. In James uh, chapter 4, verse 13 and 14, again, here's the context. James is addressing business people, those who engage in commerce, those who have an entrepreneurial spirit, where their prime objective in life is to make money. The, the driving impetus is to get another dollar. And, and this person is so sure about their business endeavors until they have planned everything to a T. Their travel plans, the time schedule, and the trade. It's, it's right there in the text. It's right, it's right there in the text. Come now and say, today or tomorrow, we will go to such and such a city, spend a year there, buy and sell, and make a profit person is making presumptions because they're sure they're going to make a profit. Did you catch that? Now you do know that a profit is what you have left after you've taken care of expenses. And, and this person has put the pursuit of a profit, the chase of money ahead of giving God praise. That, that this person has put the pursuit of money over the preeminence of their maker. The merchant makes his or her travel plans for money, not for the maker. The merchant makes his or her hotel stay for money, not, not the maker. The, the merchant makes his or her business plans for money, not for the maker. And, and, and James is addressing Business people who are part of a community of faith and saying there ought to be something different about how you pursue money versus how the world pursues money. And unfortunately, may I dare say, there's not much difference from people in the church who chase the dollar than those of the culture. When you pursue money, that causes you to violate the will, the commandments, and the desire of the maker, you will make money your idol. And when you make money your idol, you put it in the place of God. Because when you make money your idol, you would do anything for the almighty dollar. May I dare say that corporations and individuals do this quite often. Corporations wreak havoc on God's creation through pollution that has caused global warming and climate change just to support the bottom line. Businesses violate ethical norms within legal boundaries, but it brings harm to individuals. Companies know that their product is faulty before it goes to market. Whistleblowers have already ring the bell but they push it to the market anyway that creates bodily damage the chase of the almighty dollar to the disregard of the human the pursuit of money will cause individuals to sell drugs that kill sell their body for sexual gratification and drive a business plan that does not provide a livable wage 
you and I must be careful never to place money over the maker. Because when you put money above God, you might make a profit and lose your soul. The scripture says, what does it profit a person to gain the whole world and lose his or her soul? Oh, I've discovered, St. Paul, I discovered to our online congregation that money can buy you a lot of things. As a matter of fact, in the writer of Proverbs says that money answereth all things, but I would dare argue right now, money can buy you a car, but it can't buy you care. Money can buy you a, a, a house, but it won't make a home. Uh, money can buy you false hair, but not holiness. Money can buy you a dress, but not livable directions. Money can buy you a suit, but not dress your spirit. Money can buy you style, and you not have substance. Money can provide you jewelry, and you have no joy. Money can buy you meat. And you not have morals. Money can buy you bread. And you lack boldness. Money can buy you vitamins. But not virtue. Money can buy sex. And you not have sense. Money can buy prescriptions. And you not have purpose. Money can buy you medicine. And you not have mercy. Money can buy you looks. But not love. Money can buy you phones. But not perseverance. Money can buy you computers. But it can't buy Christ. And money can buy you gems. But it can't buy by your God. There is nothing wrong with you making money, but don't let money make you. Never put money above your God. Uh, the writer of James also wants us to be informed. You need to include God in your plans. Easier said than done. In verses 14 through 16, James drives home this point in this chapter in these verses. And here is the problem with our well-constructed plans. We think because we make them, they're guaranteed. And we have no earthly idea of what's going to happen next year, next month, next week. Or the next day, truth be told, we don't know what's going to happen in the next hour. Or even the next five minutes. There's nothing wrong, church, with making plans. Planning before we act is not what the Bible is addressing. As a matter of fact, any successful venture is going to require some form of planning. You don't build a house without plans. You don't make a car without plans. You should not pursue a career without plans. And you should not try to make a life without plans. The issue is not with us making plans. The problem is when we make plans, we do not include God. And since your future and my future is uncertain... We need to have God in our plan. We don't know what the future holds. But hallelujah, we know who holds the future. Here's the deal, St. Paul. 
Today or tomorrow is tenuous at best. Pierre and I and Cherish, we traveled this uh, past week to go and hang out in St. Louis with Pierre's parents, uh, mom and dad, and and we travel a lot. And so anybody that travels knows you can make all types of plans and and you get to the airport and your stuff get thrown up in the air. You, you, you can make a plane reservation and have that ticket in hand and your flight get canceled. Uh, uh, you, you can make a car reservation and not get the kind of car you want. Even if you are considered to be an exclusive member. Uh, you, you, you can go to a place out of the country and COVID breaks out and you not get back into the United States. You, you can work with tenacity and lose your money anyhow. In other words, I've discovered nothing in life, regardless of how many plans you make, are guaranteed. God knows. God knows. God knows five years ago when I came to St. Paul, never in a thousand years that I think I would have to be uh, serving us in the middle of a pandemic. None of us in this house right now, five years ago, even three years ago, thought we would be in the same place where we are right now. As a matter of fact, can we be truthful when we shut down on March the 12th, 2020? Most of us thought, hey, we'll be here for about a couple of weeks, maybe a month, a couple of months. But guess what, y'all? We still here. And it don't look like it's getting too much better. Vaccinations are available, but folks ain't taking the shot. And I want to let us know we're going to be here for at least another three to five years if we don't get our act together. So we can make all the plans that we want. John Wesley, the father of modern day Methodism, puts it this way. Realizing the future is uncertain. Not only teaches us to trust in God. But it also helps us to value the present properly. Did you hear that? To be obsessed with future plans may work our failure to appreciate present blessings or our evasion of present duties. Now, I know that sounds deep, but let me, if I could, break it down for you and give you the Robert Scott version. What, 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 Jay, what uh, uh, John Wesley is saying, don't get so caught up in your future. That you can't give God praise for what you got right now. I'm trying to help somebody. I'm trying. Don't don't get so caught up in your future that you don't learn how to put your trust and your confidence in God. Because when you become so obsessed with your future, you can't even give God thanks for what you have in your present. And you will fail to do what you need to do in the present to get what you want to have in your future. All I'm trying to let y'all know is this, that when you become so focused on what you're trying to pursue. You fail to give God praise for what you have. And I don't know to whom I'm talking right now, but I need to bring uh, as my 
uh, spiritual father, the late Reverend Dr. Charles Booth would say, uh, let me put the hay where the cows can get it. You need to learn how to give God praise uh, for what you have right now. You may not have the house you have, but give God praise for the apartment you got. You may not have the boo or bay you have, but give God praise you at least got a peace of mind. You may not have the car you want to have, but thank God you got legs to walk on. Who am I talking to in the house right now? You need to learn how to give God praise and tell the Lord thank you for what you have right now. Here, 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 here is the problem with so many of us right now. We become so culture saturated, so worldly focused, trying to keep up with the Joneses and the Smiths until you can't even thank God for what God has given the uses. I know that ain't good English, but it's good anthropology. Rewind, remix, replay. You're so focused on what other folks got that you think you got to get what they got in order to be something until you can't thank God for what you got because you don't know what they had to do to get what they got. And when you discover what they had to do to get what they got, you discover you don't want to do what they had to do to get what they got, which means you don't need to have what they got. James, 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 though. Here, 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 here is uh, tell where, where James really hit me in the gut with this passage. James raises the ultimate existential question. For what is your life? <laughs> I, I really could preach a sermon on that. What, what is your life? What is your life? St. Paul, what is your life? Is it based on things? Is it based on the clothes you wear? Because if your life is based on clothes, clothes going to wear out. Which means you're going to have a worn out life. Is it based on the car you drive? Because if so, your car going to break down. Which means you're going to have a broken down life. Is it based on the man or woman in your life? then guess what? Either they'll leave or die, which means you're going to have a left, left dead life. What, what is your life? What is your life based upon? Uh, the song says, my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I, can, can, I, can, can I do a remix, a Robert Scott remix today? My life <laughs> is based on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. On Christ, the solid rock I stand. All of the ground is sinking sand. If your life ain't based on Jesus Christ, you in trouble. Listen, listen, listen. And, and here is Reginald where James really messed me up. He asked this ultimate existential question. What is life? He says, it's a vapor. It's a vapor. Here for a little time. Vanishes away. It's a vapor. Here, here today. No, gone today. Here today. Gone today. A vapor. Yeah, that's short. That's, that's fleeting. That, that, that is how quick 
in the annals of eternity, our life is. And we think, oh, they live to be 80, 90, 100 years old. Vapor. In the Bible, they live to be six, seven, eight hundred years old. Vapor. Do, do y'all, can y'all get in your mind what a vapor is? Vapor. Like the steam from the kettle on the stove to make your tea. <laughs> vapor. Like the mist on your window on a cold morning. Vapor. Like, like the fog that hangs out in the valley. Vapor, like the breath you blow in the wintertime. Vapor, you blow it out, you see it, and it disappears. Relatively insignificant, almost forgotten, no idea. And here is where we mess up. You have no idea what today is gonna bring, let alone tomorrow. This is why James says that you and I should always include God in our plan. Let me say that again. We should always include God in our plans. Now, before y'all clap, just know when you make sinful plans, God ain't rolling with you like that. However, you need to know that you cannot live independently from God when you are a child of God. Our plans should be seeking God and praying to God and consulting God when it comes to our health, our wealth, our security, our housing, our marriage, our friendships, our children, our parents, our siblings, our church, our calling, our ministry, our mission, our hope, our joy, our love, our peace, our work, and our purpose. That's why we should always utter the phrase, if the Lord's will, that's why it's so important. You and I can make all the plans in the universe, but we better recognize that God has a better plan. Now, we can plan, but we need to submit to a better plan. We can plan, but we better recognize the sovereignty of God to have a better plan. Our plans must be evaluated by God's standards and God's commandments and God's goals and God's objectives and God's desires and God's purposes. And when you say, if the Lord's will, you're saying not my will, but thine will be done. When you say, if the Lord's will, it's no longer about you, but it's about bringing God glory. And when your will becomes congruent to the will of God, when your will gets in sync with the will of God, then life becomes a lot simpler to live. Here is, beloved, the problem with the business people that James is trying to help, that when they made their plans, they were boasting about what they were going to accomplish. They boast like they were in control of their destiny. Like Henley in his poem, Invictus, from which the lines are other. I am the master of my fate. I'm the captain of my soul. But you all, I know, because I had to learn that poem when I was online. Most fraternities had to learn that poem when they were online. 
Uh, I am the master of my fate. I'm the captain. But that's rather arrogant. When you know who Jesus Christ is. That, that's, that's rather uh, boisterous because it assumes you're really in control when you're in your, of your life and everything that's around you. And I want to let you know that's so far from the truth. If I had my way, I wouldn't be up here preaching. If I had my way, I'd be chilling on some beach. Having an adult beverage. I'm just saying, if I had my way. But since I don't have my way, I'm preaching the gospel. And I'm a pastor of a church. See, 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 if I had my way, I'd probably be doing some stuff that God does not desire for my life. But, but since my will is his will, I can't always do what my sinful flesh wants to do. I got to submit my will to the will of God. There, let me wrap this thing up. There, there's, a, there's a story in the Bible. Jesus tells a parable in Luke chapter 12, verse 16 through 21. Jesus tells a parable about a rich man who had a bumper crop. Had a bumper crop. His harvest was overwhelming. Minister Eric, it was so major until he boasted to his soul. How he was got to tear down his current barns and build bigger barns. He believed that his harvest was so bountiful and until he said, I can lay in the cut and chill out for a few years. But that same night, hear me, hear me well, St. Paul. That same night, God came to him for him to give an account of his soul. In other words, the rich man died. No bigger barns were built. No eating of his crops. No appreciation of the harvest. No wealth accumulation. He boasted and he died. Why? Because he did not include God in his plans. But I'm here to tell you that there's a choice that is inevitable, undeniable, and unstoppable. Either we humble ourselves before God. Or we'll be humbled. The, 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 the humbling may not be immediate, but one day it's going to happen. It's going to happen either in life or in death. And all of us sooner or later, saved or unsaved, believer, agnostic, or atheist, it's going to happen. All of us one day will see the sovereignty and the authority of God for ourselves in the judgment. And Paul puts it best in Philippians 2, 9 through 11 when he says, Therefore, God has also highly exalted him and has given him a name that is above every name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow. Of those in heaven and those in earth and those under the earth. And that every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. I ain't going to wait to be humble. I'm humbling myself right now and falling prostrate before him and saying, Lord, have your way, Lord. I am the potter and you are the clay. Let me get out of here. One more thing I need to drop on you and it's found in verse 17. And here it is. Uh, just do the right thing. 
just do the right thing. Therefore, to him who does, who knows to do good and does not do it, to him is sin. If you know the right thing to do and you don't do it, you're sinning. (sighs) When you know the right thing to do, but you fail to do it, you commit the sin of omission. Now, there are two methods of sinning. The sin of commission and the sin of omission. There are three ways in which you and I commit sins. We commit sin in thought, word, and action. The sin of commission occurs when I do the wrong thing. The sin of omission takes place when I fail to do the right thing. In other words, I ain't doing nothing wrong, but I ain't doing what's right. In other words, it's a sin to lie. That's the sin of commission. But it could be a sin to know the truth and hide it. That's the sin of omission. It's a sin to speak evil of someone. That's the sin of commission. But it could be a sin to avoid the person who might need you. That's the sin of omission. It's a sin to lynch black people. That's the sin of commission. But it was a sin for white folks not to stop the lynching. That's the sin of omission. It's a sin for those three men to have killed uh, Ahmad Aubrey. That's the sin of commission. But it was a sin for them to wait 74 days before arresting those three white men. That's the sin of omission. It's a sin for Kyle Rittenhouse to get away with murder. That's the sin of commission. But it was a sin for the jury not to find, to find him not guilty. That's the sin of omission. It's a sin for a person to hear the gospel and reject the message of salvation. That's the sin of commission. But it's a sin for you and me not to share the gospel with those who need to hear it. That's the sin of omission. It's a sin for a person to reject God's gift of salvation. That's the sin of commission. But it's a sin not to offer the gift to those who need it. That's the sin of omission. So therefore, beloved, you and I are called to always do good at the prompting and at the movement of the Holy Spirit. I ain't got a hoop for y'all this morning, do I? Because here's how I'm closing this thing. Do the right thing. Stand confidently on the word of God. Do the right thing. Serve others knowing they can't return the favor. Do the right thing. Speak carefully and control your language. Do the right thing. Let your mind be transformed by the being of Christ. Do the right thing. Submit yourselves to the will of God. Do the right thing. Confess Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior this morning if you don't have him. Do the right thing. If you're looking for a church home, I want to invite you to become part of St. Paul. Do the right thing and watch God bless your life. If it's the Lord's will, leave this place and enjoy everything that God has for you. Avoid being presumptuous. My brother, my sister, um, I want to um, encourage you right now. If you're in this house, right now is the chance for you to overcome presumption. And here's where so many of us miss the boat. Many of us think we can make it in this life without Jesus. 
And then those of us who have Jesus think we can make it in this life without being connected to church. And I'm here to let you know that's being very presumptuous. I don't know where I would be if I didn't have Jesus and if I didn't have connection to the church. Sister Marsha, this is what gets me about, about church folk. We always talking about, I don't go to church because I was hurt at church. You were hurt at your family. You still go to the reunion. You were hurt at work. And you still go to the job. You were hurt at school and you still go to school. You were hurt in your fraternity and sorority meeting and you still show up making your call. Why is it when it comes to church, church, you stop going to church? I want to suggest that just because one person hurt you in church don't mean that everybody at church going to hurt you. As a matter of fact, I want to suggest that in the same place where you have been hurt, that's where your healing is. Stop using that as an excuse. Because the culture does more hurt to you than the church ever will. Church ain't perfect by any stretch of the imagination. But I want you to stop using that as an excuse for not getting connected to the church. How, how can you say, I love Jesus, but I hate the church, when the bride is the church? That's like you coming to me saying, Pastor, I like you. Well, let me flip that. That's like you going to Pierre saying, Pierre, I like you, but I hate your husband. It doesn't work like that. Listen, let's stand. Let's stand. I want to invite you right now to a faithful relationship with Jesus Christ. And I can say without hesitation or equivocation that this is the will of God for your life. Uh, if you're here right now, I'm going to lead us in a prayer. If you're watching us online, I want to lead you in a prayer. And I'm going to ask you to make a decision for either Christ or the church. I'm going to lead you in a prayer, a prayer of thanksgiving, a prayer of new life, a prayer of a brand new start. And then I'm going to ask you to make a decision if it applies to you. And um, uh, I'm going to give you some directions in just a moment. All heads bowed, all eyes closed. Lord, I thank you that your will for my life is you having sent Jesus Christ. God, I want to thank you that for those who are looking at making a decision right now, that you show them your will. Help them to understand, oh God, what you desire for them. And now would you repeat after me, God, I thank you for sending Jesus Christ to die for my sins. That is your will. I know you want me to confess him as Lord and Savior. I do that right now. Forgive me of my sins. I believe you sent Jesus to die on the cross. I believe you raised him from the dead. I believe one day he's coming back. But until then, send your Holy Spirit into my life. I want to live for you. Reveal your purpose for my life right now. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Listen, all of us prayed that prayer because for those of us who know Jesus Christ and the pardon of our sins, it's a reminder. But if you just prayed that prayer, if you just prayed that prayer and you don't have Jesus in your life, 
You meant that prayer in your head, in your heart, your mind, and your spirit. You're saved. Is it that easy? Yes, it is. Because you ain't saved by anything you do. You're saved by what Jesus Christ has already done. It's you accepting the gift. If you are watching us on Facebook or on our website, would you type in salvation? One of our digital ministers is going to reach out to you and let you know what the next steps are. If you're uh, watching us on uh, YouTube or listening to us on the telephone, if you will email us at connect at spbcnc.org or call us at 704-334-5309. Leave your name and a number where we can contact you and we'll let you know what the next steps are if you call or if you email us. If you're here in person and you don't have Jesus Christ in your life, you just prayed that prayer and you want that relationship, if that's you right now, you know that's the will of God for you, would you just hold up your hand right now? Hold up your hand. Hold up your hand. Hear me and hear me well. If you have your hand up and you know this is the will of God for your life, if you have your hand up, you don't, uh, you just prayed that prayer and you meant it. If you know that's the will of God for your life, I want you to come down right now because I want you to let someone know that you know that you know that you know that you need Jesus in your, that you have accepted Jesus in your life. Oh, God bless you. I see, I see someone that is coming. Can we celebrate? Can we celebrate and give God praise? If you're watching us online, help us to celebrate. Come on, let's give God praise. Will there be another? 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 God bless you. God bless you, my sister. Will there be another? Here's my other call. If you're in the house, and you're saying to yourself, uh, Pastor, I'm already saved. I don't have a church home. I'm already saved. I know Jesus Christ is in the part of my sin. I I'm saved. I'm good on that department. But but I'm out here flailing in the wind because I don't have a landing spot. This can be your landing spot. I would love to be your pastor, these men and women. We'd love to be your brothers and sisters in Christ. If you're in the house right now and you don't have a church home, um, I believe this is the will of God for your life. You've been praying about it. That's why you've been coming back. If that's you and you don't have a church home, would you hold up your hand? Would you hold up your hand? Would you hold up your hand? If you're in the house, you don't have a church home. You're not connected to a church. Would you hold up your hand? Hold up your hand. Hold up your hand. Hold up your hand. Hold up your hand. We would love for you to be part of our fellowship. If you're watching us online, if you're watching us online and you need a church home, I want you to type in connect. Uh, on Facebook or on our church website when our digital ministers are going to reach out to you. If you are watching us on YouTube or listen to us on the telephone, email us at connect at spbcnc.org or call the church office at 704-334-5309. Leave your name and your number. Someone by 5 o'clock tomorrow is going to reach out to you and let you know what the next steps are. We would love for you to be part of the fellowship here at St. Paul. Can you all online and in the house do me a favor? Can you give me praise for my sister that's come? I'm practicing social distance, dear. We're so delighted that the Lord has laid upon your heart. I'm going to ask Minister Erica, uh, as well as uh, Deacon and Trainers, they're going to take you, uh, let you know what the next steps are. You humble us with your coming down today. And so as you walk out, we're going to celebrate you because this is the will of God for your life. Would you go with her? St. Paul, can we celebrate and give God praise for my sister that has come? As you're standing, we're getting ready to leave. And as we leave this place, as we leave this place, all heads bow. God, we thank you for what our eyes have seen, our ears have heard, our spirits have experienced in this place. As we leave from this place, this moment, 
Uh, we pray, oh God, you give us traveling grace and mercy to our destination. We pray that this be a strong week where we exemplify your word, your works, your worship, and your witness to a culture that needs you desperately. Dismiss us from this moment, but never from your presence. And keep us in your omnipotent care, if it's your will. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Have a strong, blessed week in the Lord, if it's the will of God. I love you. God loves you even more. Be safe. Do me a favor. Have a seat. Be dismissed by the ushers. Have a seat. Be dismissed by the ushers. Ushers going to come and get you out real quick. Come on, brothers. Go ahead and sing that song. Let the church say amen. Let the church say amen. Let the church say amen.